0: Hello oh, and welcome to the 42 Rugby Weekly in association with Volkswagen, proud sponsors of Irish Rugby. Ryan Bailey here, sitting in for Gav Casey again, who we are told is off following Katie Taylor in Philadelphia, but I can assure you he will be back in the hot seat next week. He's uh, straining at the leash to be back in the studio, I believe. Murray Kintzler is also on his travels this week, but he's got his priorities right. Um, he'll be off to Cardiff um, for what promises to be a lively weekend, but joins us first in studio. Murray, how's things?
1: Yeah, I'm good. Well, you're away too you're over to Glamorous. I Colum am Bay. yeah
0: I can't wait for that boat trip across to uh, Colon Bay it should be should be fascinating should be a great game Ireland's yeah. going for a, a Grand Slam
1: massive weekend ahead in, in Wales uh, Cardiff is going to be absolutely rocking yeah. chaotic it's always a, a crazy place the night out there is Pretty wild and probably not memorable actually given how, how crazy it gets over there but it's going to be a great rugby game as well and, and what a brilliant final day we have in the Six Nations. Yeah,
0: we'll be joined uh, by Bernard Jackman uh, a bit later on the show to look ahead to uh, what promises to be, as Murray says, a fascinating game in Cardiff but Murray, Joe Smith has just uh, named his team for Wales just before we came on air. Three changes from last week. As expected but a, a couple of interesting calls on the bench and obviously Ty burn in for his first Six Nations start and appearance.
1: Yeah, it's a massive one, isn't it? Um, Ian Henderson carrying a knee injury, so that kind of opens the door for him. It looked like at one stage we weren't going to see Tyburn in this championship. He was so unlucky with his own knee issue at the the start of the tournament, missed the first couple of rounds. Then he played for Munster rather than feature against Italy and missed out in selection against France last weekend. Now he gets the biggest opportunity and it's kind of fitting and perfect, yeah. really. That's yeah, back in the way yeah. where he made his name. Uh, certainly looking at the Welsh fans on Twitter, they're a bit worried about him coming back over there. He was so good for Scars for so many years and he's brilliant for Munster as well. So it is really exciting. It adds a whole lot to the fixture. Um, and Sean O'Brien obviously recalled as well, a guy who's going to be absolutely chomping at the bit, having been dropped for the France game. Uh, by all accounts, he's been pretty ferocious and aggressive in, in Ireland training over the last couple of weeks. Has been laying down a few markers there as well. Um, and he'll be keen to show that he's certainly not gone away with, with the World Cup uh, so soon now. And Rob Kearney, obviously influential yeah. and calm and Really good in the air, which is going to be key because Liam Williams and, and that back three for Wales have been excellent in that department. It does look like a really strong Ireland team and it's just thrilling, isn't it, to have mm. them, like, burn in there? Yeah, what
0: about the bench? A couple of interesting calls there because Andrew Porter is back in, as is uh, Kieran and for the unlucky John Cunha and Quinn Rue is, is the replacement lock ahead of De Deland. So a couple of interesting calls there from Schmidt
1: yeah really, really interesting. I mean, there were so many tight selections on that bench. I would say the selection meeting was as much around that, yeah um, and trying to figure out the right kind of impact they need in this game. Quinn Rue obviously provides a bit of a bulkier presence than Alton Delan, and you don't really have that with Tyburn, you have a hundred and thirteen kg lock in your starting team. He's not the biggest guy now he is powerful, he is ultra aggressive, and he certainly doesn't lack in those physical exchanges, but Quinn Roo offers you that kind of scrum solidity. Uh, off the bench, as we've seen in the past for Ireland, Andrew Porter has been a little bit in and out. John Ryan, I actually thought, has done really well. It's, it's very nice. unfortunate, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. You were trying to enjoy the week, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Normally, <laughs> when they put players off for media, you kind of thing. As oh. was in the land So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> the poor guys. Yeah. actually it's tough on them. Shouldn't laugh. It's actually it's really tough missing out on mm. them such a big game. But um, yeah, that's an, an impact revenge. I think a lot of people will be um, f- feeling that John Cooney has been harshly done by. Yeah, he's been lively off the bench in his limited appearances. Um, but Kieran Marmion I guess has that experience and that's something that Schmidt will have weighed up quite a bit you look at O'Brien even coming back in and and Carney guys who have proven in massive games before that they're more than capable of thriving so the atmosphere um, in Cardiff is going to be Chaotic. It's going to be uh, cacophonous. It's going to be loud, and and you need those big personalities. Um, and clearly, Schmidt feels like Marmion, who has been really good for Connick since he came back from the injury. To be, to be fair to him, will will add a bit in in that sense. Larmer as well, obviously reverting to the bench. So it does look like a good Ireland bench, but those changes as well, and especially Tyburn, it just makes it so much more interesting.
0: Yeah, Marmin is the is a, a thirty six different player Schmidt will have used during this championship window. That's excellent squad depth building in in a World Cup year. You know, he's obviously spoken about being a different brief during the Six Nations. So it is fascinating the way he has kind of rotated a bit while maintaining that balance of being competitive throughout.
1: Yeah, definitely. And like, it is easier to say that he's had a different brief after they've essentially kind of put themselves out of the, the yeah. race. Obviously, there is potentially a potential title on the line. You're, Ireland will be banking on Scotland winning against England, which doesn't look too likely given their injury issues and, and the fact that it's in Twickenham. But it is probably easier to say, oh, listen, this is why I want to get out of the championship after the fact. That said The injuries did open doors For guys And that's been a real positive You mentioned it there 36 is a really good figure um, And further down the line With the priority Of the World Cup And getting past The quarterfinal there For the first time ever That is going to be so valuable um, And the exposure That guys Even a guy like Quinn Roo Even Ulton Glan Who misses out now mm. John Ryan They've been kind of involved and, and the depth chart just looks a little bit healthier again.
0: Yeah, we'll, we'll get into Ireland against Wales in, in a bit more detail as the show progresses, as I said, with Bernard Jackman. But maybe a final word on, on the Welsh team for now. Murray, uh, no changes from last week, but the big news for them and a the big boost is, is Liam Williams has been fat, past fit. He's been superb in the championship. So that, as I said, is a is a big boost for them.
1: Yeah, it's really important. He's developed so much over the last couple of years. Going to Saracens has pushed him on to another level. He's so confident now. There's none of that. He used to be such a, an unpopular player, actually. Yeah. Opposition fans sometimes you were you were thinking, is is there a bit of a cheap shot there? He seems to have completely eradicated that from his game. Uh, he's very popular by all accounts, and, and the guys who played lines towards with him speak speak highly of him. Um, But he's just focusing on his game and and proved all those skills. He's such an enjoyable player to watch. His kind of distinctive running style and really brave in the air, really aggressive as well. And and he's been so important in in the air for for Wales, as well as adding a bit going forward. His counter-attack game is strong as well, obviously. It's a lovely settled team for Wales. Um, I know Eddie Jones is having a bit of a jibe saying they look a bit tired, but they'll be delighted that they can have that cohesive uh, continuity carrying into this game. And you look at those combinations like Parks was back to his best, I thought, against Scotland. Mm -hmm. And Davies is absolute class. That's a really good centre pairing. The back row has worked well. Navidi, Tipperick and and Moriarty. Even though they're missing guys, there's been a nice kind of complementary skill set across the the board there. The front row, they can play a bit as as well as being abrasive and good in the set piece. Um, So yeah, it it looks like a strong Wales squad again and it's just so perfectly set up. I know the bookies are really struggling to call this. I think they're pretty much... Um, saying it's it's even contest I and mean, it really feels that way it's going to be so hard to actually predict anything here but we are in for an unbelievable yeah. game
0: there's so many fascinating matchups but in particular at, in the line out you know James Ryan will be calling the Irish mm. line out for the first time at international level he's done a couple of times for, for Leinster I think Munster over Christmas and then the to, Toulouse game as well so he has experience there but you know that's another kind of string to his bow and it'd be a, a big step up for him in the absence of Henderson and Toner obviously
1: yeah, you're going up against Alan Wynn jones and his line-out. Yeah. Um, that's a pretty big test. But I, I really think James Ryan is more than capable. He's kind of like the the complete lock, really. He's become that very fast. He can play that tight-head role, which he does. He scrummages that tight-head lock. He's got the power game. He can be the carrier. He can clean out rocks. But you can also play him as that line-out loose-head lock who's running the line-out, maybe offering distribution and passing as well around the pitch and being quite mobile. He can really do it all. And, and this is another step in his development um, he's obviously still so young but yeah. has achieved so much so quickly a, a definite future Ireland captain in my opinion um, and this will be a, a nice step for him along the way and again with the World Cup in mind it's just great to have those multiple callers Henderson can do it now obviously Devon Toner does it Ty Byrne as you mentioned is learning as well um, so that's a, a great kind of string to his boat
0: You're welcome back to the 42 Rugby Weekly in association with Volkswagen. Now to look ahead to Saturday's game in Cardiff, we're joined by Bernard Jackman. Bernard, how's things? Very good, thanks. Good stuff. Bernard, before we get into into Saturday's game, a bit of breaking news this afternoon. Leinster have announced that both Leo Cullen and Stuart Lancaster have signed contract extensions with the province. Obviously, a great boost to have Leo signed up for another two seasons, but I suppose having retained the services of someone like Stuart Lancaster, who was obviously there was talk of him potentially joining Addy Farrell's Ireland coaching ticket, um, it's it's big news for the the province heading into the business end of this season.
2: Yeah, it's huge. I, I suppose maybe we take for granted um you know the the re signing of Leo because we all expect him to stay. You know, he's um he's Leinster DNA but um you can be sure if, if um if a club were looking for a successful head coach they you know he'd be someone they'd be targeting but so it's great business by Mick Dawson and, and the Leinster branch to, to get him tied down and you know Leo are Leo's a little bit different than Stuart and that Stuart obviously you know he's not a native of, of Ireland and um you know he's rehabilitated his career here. He definitely you know would have the Viva Premiership clubs uh, or Gallagher Premiership clubs, and maybe international teams, um, looking for him, given how um, big of impact he's had in Leinster. Um, you know, there was there was a rumor, obviously, that he might become part of, of Andy Farrell's uh, setup. But um, you know, I, I know from speaking to players and, and and coaches how how much they enjoy working with with Stuart and how big of influence he is behind the scenes there. So um, you know, for for Leinster, that's to get two of those guys tied down is a is a huge boost and a, a great sign of i suppose how uh, how happy they are with with the environment and um the chance of further success in, in leinster
0: yeah fascinating as you say and and great boost for leinster i suppose moving on to saturday myself and mary have been just discussing um the ireland team news here um how do you look back now we've had obviously the benefit of, of a few days to look back on ireland's performance against france um how do you kind of reflect on that and and do you take as much Positive signs from it now, as you did maybe at the at the final whistle on Sunday.
2: Yes, I think it was a v- it was a very good performance by Ireland, um, uh, given what we probably lacked in terms of um, energy, intensity, um, attitude, physicality. You know, in the in the Scotland game and uh, well, all of the first three games. To be honest, um, we, from the from the very first couple of minutes, I thought we laid down a marker. Um, we, you know, we trapped France not just in their own twenty-two. Um, for most of the first half, but coffin cornered that right hand side and um, or sorry, France's right hand side, and, and they literally couldn't get out of there. I mean, we, you know, we spilled a couple of balls um, on their line. They had a couple of opportunities to clear to clear, um, but he either got a poor kick to touch, or they missed touch, and we just came back at him again. So um, I thought tactically, you know, we we were very smart there, and we suffocated them. And that's think back to when Ireland have been going well. That's pretty much been the. Uh, the core principle of our play is is building pressure and um, you know if you think back to the England game you know we played a lot of rugby in our own in our own half just outside our own 22 Um, and against France you know we we, we fixed that and um, I think you know our our clean our carry was better we we had a lot more um, animation you know we, we we had a guy out the back of that forward pod a lot. We tried a lot of tip-ons. and You know, there weren't massive line breaks from those tip-ons, but they just made that collision um, a little bit easier. To, they they opened up the blind side a little bit more um, and they created a little bit quicker ball. And I thought we went down the blind side two or three times, you know, with nice shape. Um, so I thought there was a big improvement uh, across the board. And in fairness to France, France were, were very poorly organized, but they actually, they manned up and they tackled. You know, they put in a huge amount of of tackles in that first half and um they you know they made it hard for us and sometimes the way they defend is quite unorthodox so you know um it's not e- as easy as you would think uh to break them down but to get the bonus point you know wrapped up in 58 minutes and, and then be able to bring on the bench um and, and you know six day turnaround and get to get the main frontliners off i thought you know all in all it was a, it was a very very good day's work
1: yeah mary the panic is over anyway yeah it is um, I'd certainly go along with what a lot of Bernard said there um, the ball carriers like Sander and Healy they got onto the front foot and everything was just a little bit easier there flowed from there um, as Bernard says not massive line breaks but once you once you get over that gain line then it's easier for that variety to kick in the tip-ons even a couple of inside passes you saw Manny tipping one inside Even then, Ringrose kicking the ball twice. Uh, Two really good tactical kicks. The first one, obviously, leading into Larimer's kick with some incredibly poor backfield defence for France. and Another one down the right-hand side in the second half, just to take a little bit of the responsibility of Sexton or Murray to to have those exiting kicks and put some pressure back on the opposition through that kicking game, which has maybe been a little bit lacking uh, up until now. And then on top of that, you have more clever set-piece stuff. Obviously, Keith Earl's try stands out in that regard. There's usually one of those from Joe Schmidt. And even the stuff that... Probably didn't work for them. Most clever, you know. Even yeah. the use of that, you know, that play where they bounce back against the grain. They have a little dummy loop and pass back to the inside of the rock. There were a few little tweaks and variations on that. You saw Rory Best kind of rotating the whole way and slipping one off to, I think, it was to Keen Healy, and um, just trying those little ideas and. Uh, it just felt like Ireland had that energy back through their game that they were enjoying trying those things they were enjoying having the ball um, and I thought even though they didn't have to defend a lot when they did that it was it was quite aggressive um, there was strips in the tackle there was a choke tackle just before half time and they didn't allow France to get any foothold at all until those very dying moments when they'll be frustrated with conceding those two tries it took a little bit of gloss off yeah. but i don't think that'll mask for them what was a really dominant performance and certainly now feels like even speaking to the players that that confident edge is right back in there and just teased it up so perfectly for this weekend in what is going to be a, a brilliant atmosphere yeah
0: mary you know as you say there we were both in carton house this weekend and you can kind of feel there's a a, a change in mood change in atmosphere do you feel there's a pressure off the players now almost that, you know, they weren't panicking internally, but at least gets everyone stopped talking about what's going wrong with Ireland. And it just going into this week, it just eases that that pressure on them.
1: Yeah, like I, I don't even know if that's how they really were thinking about it. Like they're yeah. so focused on what is right ahead of them. And this weekend, it's a Wales team that has great momentum, that has clear strengths, that will challenge them in those long passages of play that Ireland will feel they're better than anyone at. You know, Wales are well capable. We saw it for John Davies' try, 23 phases. We saw it for Corey Hill against England, 35 phases. We've seen their defensive patches that way as well. And this fixture, particularly in Cardiff, has kind of taken that route of long ball in play and uh, both teams kind of throwing punches until someone falls over. And um, Ireland, the last two times they've been there, have come in on the wrong side of that and been, been knocked out, I guess, with that killer punch. So... I think there'll be more focus on that rather than our talk about pressure and confidence and and things like that. But certainly it does help. Look, if you're coming off the back of a strong performance like that, it'll feed into what's to come this weekend. Yeah.
0: Bernard, what do you make of the selection of Byrne? Obviously, the the injury to Ian Henderson kind of opened that door for him. But um, a first Six Nations start for him, so it'd be fascinating to see how he goes.
2: Yeah, I'm delighted. I think um, I would like to see... You know, I was hoping maybe he played last week. I just thought he would have given us a bit of a spark... Um, you know he's he, he's incredibly confident in his own ability. He makes um, he has big moments in games. Uh, so I'm delighted to see him get an opportunity. Um, ironically, you know in, in the Principality where obviously you know he he restarted his career in Wales, so um, a huge opportunity for him. And the reality is he probably needs to have a big game to you know to try and force his way not just into the not into the starting team for Ireland, but on a plane to to Japan. Um, in fairness, I thought Henderson last week. Gave us exactly what we needed from him. He stepped up massively. James Ryan was great, uh, but for me, just you know, looking at our selection, you know, I think it showed how much we need, you know, Gary Ringrose, how much we need CJ Stander, um, you know, in our in our team. Uh, and even though we have good strength and depth, uh, we are very reliant, as as is normal. I mean, Wales without you know, Wales without uh, John Davies, George North, Alan jones wouldn't be the same either, but um, it shows how influential standard, I think, and ring rose are, are for Ireland. I think ring rose gives Johnny Sexton um, another kicking option, which Murray spoke about, but also he, he communicates to him um, incredibly well, and he's just more of a of a ball player than maybe, you know, Robbie, uh, Bundy and Chris are, and I think that's important for how we want to play. So um, I think Sexton's good. You know, Sean gets another chance, and, you know, um, he's another couple of weeks to to build up his fitness, and you know he'll he'll be very conscious of how he needs a big game. You're bringing in players who are, you know, big game players. I know Ty Byrne hasn't done it at international level um, to the same extent as someone like Sean O'Brien, but I have no doubt that he he can come into this game and cauldron that'll be Principality Stadium and and be really influential. And I think it's it's exciting. I think that'll be the third. You know, Ireland will have played 36 players over the Six Nations, which is um, which is brilliant. Into into a world cup and if we can finish this this Saturday with another win and and finish second in the comp um, given the way we started having blooded so many players and um, come through a little bit of a, uh, a rough patch i think that's massive for us that's probably as good as win the tournament
0: yeah what about ireland's attack Mary? you mentioned it there 2015 2017 you know followed similar teams huge stretches of possession territory against a very strong and, and, and stout Welsh defence. We had a question on, on Twitter from from Connor and he was kind of asking that kind of similar similar question, you know, do Ireland need to vary their attack um on Saturday? Because, you know, if it follows the, the themes, as I said, of 2015-2017, fifteen, twenty seventeen, they'll have large suede possession and, and no real reward.
1: Yeah well I think the variety has actually been really good since um, the Scotland game when they were in the 22 it was a little bit based on just being off one off nine um, and they felt they could overpower the Scots as they have done in the past I think since then we've seen Johnny Sexton get on the ball even in the 22 and, and then playing off 10 a little bit more um, even I think of the build-up to, to Quinn Roo's try against Italy where he gets on the ball a couple of times as well as Conor Murray making good passes um, and kind of arcing off the ruck a couple of times. Even those little bits of ride, that aren't completely obvious and you still may be quite tight off the rock, and you're still trying to win that physical battle in the 22, which is everything. Uh, those things make a difference. We mentioned the tip-ons, the, the options around that ball carrier and the, the backdoor option to go out to one of the backs, whether it's Sexton or particularly Ringrose, as Byrne mentioned, his communication is is superb. It's harder to do that, obviously, in the 22. But further out the field, I thought that variety has really improved. And I think Ireland have always really had that. Um, It's just a case of getting that initial ball carrier, getting that initial momentum off the set piece, um, and everything flows from there. So I've no doubt that Ireland do have that variety. At the same time, they will back themselves, having been so physical against the French, Mm. to deliver that. You think back to last year in, in Dublin against Wales, and Ireland did actually physically bully the Welsh. They probably felt that they could get on top of them in that sense and you did see a lot of extremely direct rugby in the 22 now Wales in in Cardiff is going to be a very different proposition and they will probably remember that feeling of, of last year being beaten in the physical sense which makes it all the more thrilling their defence has been excellent again they've conceded the fewest tries uh, just six in the six nations conceded the fewest points and um, they've such variety in how they actually take you, take the ball off you they can strip you they can jackal they work really hard so even they operate with that 13 and 2 players in the backfield even with one less man in the front line they just work so hard that they can still get that line speed as well so that is a fascinating class, Sean Edwards' defence and, and seeing what Joe comes up with that.
0: Yeah, we saw two Schmidt strike moves, as you say, last week against France for the, the Johnny Sexton try and the Keith Earls try. Bernard, I was talking to, to Johnny Sexton during a week at Carton House about it and, you know, he said it's always obviously something that's good to have in their locker, but he feels that Wales aren't going to give them too many opportunities off line-outs this weekend. They'll probably kick long and chase hard, he said. What do you think Ireland will need to do, as Murray touched on there, to break down Sean Edwards' defence?
2: Yeah, I think I think we have to kick well. Um and uh, I think that we have the the skill set, whether it's from nine, ten, thirteen, um, even you know, even further out, you know, Stockdale, um, one on one, you know, last weekend he kicked the chip dead, but that's probably the first chip that he's had that hasn't bounced back up to him for <laughs> a try. But he is capable of, of isolating that space and um I, I think that it will be hard to break him down front line. They you know, they they're very good at choosing what what rooks to uh, attack, and that's the why they can afford to have, you know, maybe one less, and you know, they use a simple philosophy: fire and ice. Where you know, ice obviously um, they leave it, and you know, they try and have fifteen guys in their feet, and and, and fire they they pile into it and, and try and disrupt it. So they'll pick and choose what rooks they go after, and and they're very confident with their defensive system, and it's a it's a it's a very aggressive. Um, Defensive system would obviously, you know, uh, come up hard on the outside um, with Josh Adams and, and George North having that license to, um, to come looking for the intercept. So we'll have to be careful. It's very difficult to go over the top of them, um, ball in hand. There's not as many opportunities to go through them as as there is with some teams who use that blitz type defense. So, um, and it's down to just, you know, the fact that there's such stability in their coaching staff. You know, Sean Edwards, Warren Gatland, you know, Rob Howley and Rob McBride have been together so long. Um, and the players are very, very comfortable with um, the simplicity of the system and then it's just a case of going out and uh, and um, put, executing it and they have they're on a huge run um, they are very fit so I thought they I thought they looked they looked ch- ch- fatigued against England around the half time mark and you would have said oh England are going to finish strong but they found that that extra level of, of fitness to to come back and finish really strongly. So I think we're gonna have two superbly conditioned teams, two very organized teams. Um, uh, Johnny's right. I think they'll kick long and on, um, and they'll invite us to counter-attack. I think we'll, you know, we'll be pretty patient in that, and there might be a lot of tennis, but uh, we still will have a of opportunities, you know. And you can be sure that um, Ireland will have spotted some potential weakness, and uh, I might, we might have one chance, you know, against against France. We try the same move. Uh, we got two opportunities um, from line outs on the, the right hand side one the first half and one the second half to, to execute that try so uh, you know this week you might only get one and um, we got to we got to nail it so um, it's going to be fascinating I think it'll be an incredible game uh, I actually think Ireland, Ireland can win I, I think that uh, I think we can beat Wales it's uh, it's incredibly difficult to uh, to keep winning and I just think Ireland may be coming a little bit under the radar um, sense of Real sense of purpose and um and and, and probably a, a point of proof to a certain extent. An understanding that they if they can finish this this tournament, as I said, with all the changes and, and the dip in form with a win, um you know it augurs very well for for um for the World Cup and also shows real character in the
1: team. Yeah, absolutely, Bernard. I want to get your take on the the Welsh tack. Um, obviously Rob Howley did the lines and they have that same kind of one three three one shape and. You saw them use that shape pretty well for Josh Adams' try against the Scots, uh, and obviously Gareth Anscombe, he's been a, a different factor, I guess. What has he brought to the attack that that's changed things for the Welsh? He,
2: he's very, he's he, he's very good on the line. Um, so if there's um, if there's a lack of line integrity, if you know, if if Ireland try and get off, you know, a little bit in front uh, on the outside to to shut down that pot off ten, um, he's very good at actually going into that gap and getting his hands free. He's quick. He's a lot quicker than Dan Bigger. Um, but the big thing is he's not afraid to actually take it to the line. And that's um, that that changes like if you I think if you're playing against Dan Bigger, you can ignore him to a certain extent and you can trust the guys on the inside to catch up and you can get get off a little bit quicker. But I think Ireland will have to um, have to be very focused on, you know, making sure they don't leave any dog legs. Um, I'd say his passing game is probably um, is probably a little bit better as well because he's flatter. It brings people into space. But I, I don't. I honestly don't think it'll be the Wales attack that will mm. be the problem. Um, I think that they. It'll be. It'll be. Can we break down their defence? Uh, I, I think that our defence at the weekend showed. You know, we had a lot more energy. We got our fold right. We got the right people in the right positions on the line. Um, and it's, it's mainly going to be something unorthodox. You know. Uh, um, if you look at the tries Wales have scored, bar that one from you know from Josh Adams, and he still had a lot to do to finish it. It's a lot around just individual players in chaos. You know, likes of North, you know, pulling something out of out, out of the ordinary. And I think that's and the rest of then is just Wales playing high tempo, fatiguing teams and being very mentally strong uh, and not giving away many penalties. So uh, I, I wouldn't be worried this about the, the Welsh attack. Um, in terms of their shape I'd be more worried about some of the individuals within that you know you spoke about Gareth Davies if there's any if there's any line break he'll be on the inside you know Anscombe taking the line John Davies is a class act you know and then the back three are are really in form and, mm-hmm. and, and really dangerous and uh, you know that's the problem for us if we do play too much kick tennis and we kick badly um, I think they have the individuals who can hurt us
0: Before we look ahead to, to Scotland um, Scotland's trip to England Murray you um, if Ireland lose, has this been a successful Six Nations? I mean, can you know can we lose to our two main rivals and, and call it a good tournament because of the kind of the depth that that Schmidt has built, or as Brendan was saying, if we go away and produce a good performance and still lose? You know, does that kind of does that yeah. represent a good Six Nations?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, it's a, a complete matter of opinion. In my opinion, yes, I think it still could be a, a good Six Nations, even if they don't win this game. If they get a strong performance, personally, I think that they have built enough um, belief in the group last year that, that it'll ride through a championship where they will have felt they've had key injuries, guys maybe not being at their very best. I think a number of individuals have put their hands up and said as much, um, and still to get that development through the squad. Yeah, look, ideally rolling uh, into a World Cup, having come second w- would be brilliant. Um, almost better in a way than c- going and winning another championship where the hype just carries all the way yeah. through to the World Cup. Um and that's the priority this year. It definitely has been. I think you can see it with the selections and you can see it even with Joe. His mind sometimes seems to be elsewhere and, um, they're definitely planning and plotting for that as well in the background uh, tactically and, and maybe in, in terms of some of those moves so I think yeah a performance this weekend given the development of the squad would make it a, a good championship yeah
0: what about England Eddie Jones was at his kind of mind games again today yeah. um, saying that Wales look a bit tired Ireland peaking at the right time all that kind of stuff obviously Ireland can do England a massive favour um, by beating Wales and Cardiff and and that sets up a, a championship shot for England against Scotland Eddie Jones made four changes for that game um,
1: how do you see that one going and and
0: how do you kind of read
1: it yeah given Scotland's injury issues it's very tough to see them causing an upset there and it's a really strong English team I know the English media are a bit surprised that Joe Takanasinga is not playing again but I completely understand that one like Jack Noel has 30 caps he's 32 caps even more Um, he's been on Lions tour superb player brilliant attacking individual. I think people probably get caught up in the excitement of a, a 21-year-old who only has a, a couple of caps and probably Gregor Townsend would have liked a less experienced defender there. Someone that you could pick on uh, off set piece. Uh, it looks like a really strong team with Henry Slade back in. I think that's the the nice combination they've had in, in midfield off on Farrell himself and Tualaghi. So, listen, I expect them for their part to to get a pretty strong win. What what do you think, Bernard? It, it's it's there for yeah, them. Yeah, it's I guess, very hard to
2: see Scotland, to be honest. Scotland you know the true everything they had at Wales, but just lacking that bit of quality at the moment. With you know with the high-profile injuries they have, and um, it's been a poor Six Nations for them, really. Given Glasgow and Scotland, or Glasgow and Edinburgh have, you know, been excellent in in, in both Pro Fourteen and and Europe. Um, they haven't managed to to add to that. But that's just the way they play. You know, international rugby is main, uh, mainly about power, and um, they sometimes lack that power, and, and they can only really play one way, which is just kind of chaotic frantic frantic way and um you know, against teams like Ireland and and, uh, and Wales. Scotland if they're switch or France if they're switched on, you know, that isn't really enough. So um it's very hard to see them go to Twickenham and, and and getting anything out of it, and Eddie. Eddie saying that Wales have made the most tackles in the competition, which actually yeah. statistically is is wrong. You know what I mean? But you know, you know he knows it's wrong him. as well. He's just yeah. no, no. But you know, he knows it's wrong as well. He's, just, yeah. he's, just, he's good. Good value. Uh, the interesting game for me this weekend, apart from our own, obviously, is the is. Uh, I think Italy could beat France, yeah, and yeah. Um, I think that'd be great for Connor. You know, I spoke to a French journalist this morning, and you know, there's all kinds of uh, as it is always in France, but there's all kinds of stuff happening between. Um, Brunel and some of the players, you know, he apparently he asked Guardo to set down as captain and Guardo <laughs> said, Guardo said no, that if he wanted him not to be captain, to drop him and he, he picks him as captain. So, um, it's a little bit, but again, they could they could use that as a, uh, as a galvanizing uh, factor, but it's hard to, um, it's hard to see. Sorry, it's, it's it's difficult to see France being able to go there and put in a massive performance, and it's just a case of um, it's just a case of whether uh, Italy are good enough to to beat to beat France, who you know who are bit flaky at the moment.
0: Yeah, Mary. Final word on the Cardiff roof. We were watching Joe Schmidt's yeah. press conference there just before we came on air, and it seems to be a bit of confusion. Um, initially, he said that Ireland had requested to close the roof of the Principality, and then um, it kind of later turned out that Wales have. Re- asked Six Nations if they could close it because of the bad weather forecast so uh, we've we'll got Burners taken out because obviously he's coached there before but what difference it makes but for you does it how much difference does it make and and it's kind of again just another variable that's thrown into the mix
1: Yeah well Schmidt referenced how they w- tend to water the pitch even when the roof is closed yeah. over so that's slippy at the start he said we'd rather have the roof o- open it and it be wet than the roof closed and it be wet so um, I don't think he was pleased with, with that happening before personally I, I think they should c- like my preference would be for to close the roof, have as feral an atmosphere as you possibly can have, and expose your players again with with long term development and being exposed to that in intensity uh, of environment. Um, it'll be interesting to see Bernard. Does it does it change a lot tactically? I guess. Just yeah, in terms of I think it makes game. it
2: very. Um, it makes it incredibly hot and sticky and greasy. Mm. Um, but having said that, it also makes it even louder. <laughs> uh, so I don't know if there's anywhere in the world if that roof was closed on Saturday. If there's, I know there's some phenomenal stadiums around the world and you know Super Bowls, etc. But like I think the the noise, the noise volume on on Saturday, if that roof is closed, Wales playing for a Grand Slam, um, us coming, you know, to town as as Grand Slam uh, champions, um, what's happening in the Welsh rugby below, you know, there's going to be a huge amount of raw emotion there, and I think that um, I think it would be incredible incredible test for us as a team, uh, you know, to go to Cardiff and win this weekend would be, you know, uh, as good of probably win as, as beating the All Blacks I think because of the fact of how Wales are on, on such a good run and um, how comfortable they are in, in, in terms of what they want to do and, um, you know, it's, a, it's going to be uh, an incredibly intimidating place to be but, you know, I agree with you, close the roof and, and make it even worse and, uh, you know, we have we have the experience in our squad, I think, to, to be able to handle any kind of um, scenario and um, and you, you can be sure you know if you want to go to the latter stage of the World Cup there's going to be blips there's going to be tests and you know this will be a, another one just to get um, to get a dry, dry run at
0: Yeah do you have a prediction for Saturday?
2: Yeah I think Ireland I think Ireland will win I think Ireland um, I think that win against France um, and the comprehensive nature of, of it the fact that the senior players came back and you know kind of showed the way forward um, I think that they will have a real Edge about them this week, and I think it, I think they can t- turn over Wales just about. I I, um, I don't think Wales. If you look at, you know, we're all saying we're all being very, we're being very harsh in Ireland up till France, but if you look at Wales, uh, you know, and it's brilliant. A winning habit is a, is a brilliant habit to have. But realistically in November, you know, they really struggled to, to score score try. You can argue that you know the the opposition, sometimes the opposition they, they played against, weren't really at the uh, you know at the level. You know, I think to beat. Australia, which just penalties, um, and you know against France, first half average enough. France threw away the game. Italy very poor, uh, a good performance against England, and not brilliant against Scotland either. So um, I don't think they're a million miles ahead of us. Uh, and actually, in fact I think we we're a better team. Home advantage will be huge for them, but I, I think we can pull off a uh, pull off. A, well, that's no, not a shock. I think we can win.
0: Yeah, Murray.
1: Yeah, I'd go along with that. I think Bernard summed up perfectly. I'm just looking forward to the atmosphere. I'm looking forward to a good weekend in Cardiff. Mary's going to enjoy a few pints in Cardiff, apparently. So that's all he's looking forward to. (laughs) I'm a top pro. Thanks, guys. (laughs) Cheers, Bernard. Bernard.
0: Welcome back to the 42 Rugby Weekly in association with Volkswagen, proud sponsors of Irish Rugby. Now, this week we caught up with Simon Zebo, who was in Dublin last Sunday making his punditry debut on ITV alongside Brian O'Driscoll and Johnny Wilkinson. Zebo is a Paddy Power ambassador, and I caught up with him this morning. Well, so Simon, we are just talking there, punditry debut on, on Sunday, uh, throwing in the deep end with, with Johnny and Brian in the ITV studio. How was it for you?
3: it was good yeah it was good it was um a new challenge certainly for me um but one that I, I I really enjoyed you know um there was a little bit of rustiness I suppose from my point of view what I thought I had probably a little bit of nerves too but um yeah after 10 or 15 minutes or so of trying to you know, find my feet it uh yeah it seemed to, to go quite smoothly and I enjoyed it and got to interact with uh, the host uh, Jill and and the two lads was was a good
0: it's different watching a game as was from the comfort of your own sofa to then having to watch it and then articulate your views on it to a, a live TV audience.
3: Yeah, it is a little bit different, certainly. Um, and the analysis you do like on the go, you know, you're kind of analysing on the fly and you're talking to, to people through your earpiece, uh, trying to bring back up clips and, you know, write down what happened and things. So. It was, uh, yeah, it was challenging, but it was uh, it was good fun. It was good yeah. fun. I enjoyed it.
0: Ireland obviously performed pretty well, so it kind of made your job easier in a sense that you didn't have to criticise any of your former teammates or friends.
3: <laughs> yeah, thank God. Um, yeah, it would have been a lot more difficult to, to criticise or, or do anything like that. And it wouldn't really be in my nature anyway yeah. to criticise, even if, you know... Even if Connor had a stinker now, I'd still say he played unreal, you know, so, uh, (laughs) uh, yeah, it wouldn't uh, be too much in my nature to do that, but, uh, they got the win, thankfully, um, and they were impressive, you know, they, um, a bonus point win against a a tough French team, well, a French team low in confidence, but, um, a French team that were you know trying to come to Dublin and prove a point and and they were you know nullified so it's uh, it's good to watch. Yeah,
0: I might ask you about France in a minute, but what about Ireland? you were saying all during the kind of the first few weeks of the championship, there's no reason to panic. There's no crisis mm. here. That kind of obviously came to pass, obviously a much different test this weekend, but it was good for Ireland just to get back to basics almost and, and dominate France in that first half in particular.
3: Yeah, yeah, um, they did, they dominated them in every aspect in the first half and it was good, you know, the the performances have certainly um, continued to go up a level from week to week since that England game, so it's, uh, yeah, it's it's... Obviously, wasn't the ideal start we wanted, but um, you know we're continuing to improve and we're going in the right direction to finish the tournament strong and and to head into the the summer friendlies or tests and um and the World Cup. So it's it's not ideal not winning the six nations, although we still have a chance, but. We've got a big opportunity to, to get some real momentum and confidence going into uh, the World Cup with this yeah. game against Wales.
0: You mentioned Connor there, you obviously know him better than most, and there was a lot of talk about his form and Johnny's form over the first kind of three weeks of, of the tournament. He spoke on, on Tuesday to media and said, Look, he doesn't really take much notice of what everyone else is kind of saying outside the, the kind of the bubble, so to speak. As a player, is it difficult when you're you are kind of trying to get back to your best and the media and the public are are maybe accentuating all the little kind of mistakes. That you're making and you're just not on, you know, your world class standard, but you feel you're very close. Is that hard, you know, in a way, because everyone else is talking about it and everyone is asking you, "Oh, how are things going? When are you going to go back to your best?"
3: Yeah, that's the thing. You you try and stay away from it as best you can or as much as possible, but it is it's not impossible to to stay away from the criticism or people talking or you know people coming up to you in the supermarket asking you. Questions, you know, or, or telling you things. You know, everybody seems to be an expert these days, which is, is quite funny. Every you meet in every walk to lo- or day to day life. Um, but uh, Connor, yeah, he he knows himself really well and he's a very confident person inside. So even if he doesn't have a good game, he'll still um, he'll he'll know what he's capable of doing and he'll just stick to the same process and, and routine that, that has got him to being the best scrum half in the world. And, um, you know. You know his form might have dipped maybe in a match or two, but you know his class is certainly permanent, and um, he's still the best scrum half in the world. Um, and um, he's starting to to find his his form again. And you know he, you don't want to peak too early. You don't want to be saying oh he, Ireland or X Y and Z or Connors X Y and Z too early. It's a World Cup year as well, so he's um, he's hitting his straps at the right time, and um, I've no doubt come World Cup he'll. He'll be firing on all cylinders and um, he'll be so important to Ireland's World Cup ups.
0: Yeah, what about France? What did you make of them? Because there was a lot of optimism um, around their kind of performance in Scotland and there was obviously a bit of continuity in their in selection and you'll know a lot of the lads quite well. Mm. What did you make of their performance? Because a lot of people were, were almost let down by the way they showed up in Dublin.
3: Yeah, I was very disappointed. I was very disappointed with them. Like Obviously, I, I uh, full credit to Ireland in terms of, you know, making you know forcing them to to live off scraps or or um you know forcing them into a performance like that but having said that uh, france were very very poor um and the signs were you know ominous from the first uh couple of minutes when uh jordan larmer like kicked the ball back just like you do normally and um there wasn't a french player to be seen within 50 or 60 meters which is uh, bizarre for the first couple of the games and in a wet greasy day you'd think that you'd, you'd deny teams access in, easily into your own half and I, I, from a full backs point of view I just could not believe my eyes and what I was seeing and next thing Ireland get the ball mall and try and that's Ireland's pressure game and um, France just looked like they didn't know what they were doing and it was it was very disappointing I'm not sure if the if they have a whole lot of direction coming down from the top I think there's there's uh, probably a probably there's a little bit of poison somewhere in French rugby i don't know like whether it's coming from the top down but you know the players aren't putting in the performances but they're giving everything they have it's just they're lacking a bit of direction and it's uh, it's very sad because you want france and french rugby doing really well because they're such an entertaining team they're so good for the game and so good for world rugby but they've just been a bit of a shambles the 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 past couple of years which is really sad
0: Yeah, What was the kind of the general reaction back in in France to the performance because as you said there there was a bit of optimism around um, you know this week and and the kind of the continuity they had and there's obviously a good spine of youngsters there coming through you'll know them better than most so Mm. what was kind of the general reaction was it just oh here we go same old again
3: Uh, Yeah a little bit of that and then funnily enough I I saw, uh, saw one article you know Almost praising them, saying, "Oh, look, we won the second half, fourteen-seven, or 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 what have you." And I was I was in shock, you know, like they were five or six minutes away from being nilled in a in a test match for the first time in I don't know how many years. So, um, I think there's a lot of optimism around the the youngsters uh, that are coming through, and you see a few of them playing with Toulouse, and you see people like Jordan Joseph uh, playing with us. Um, there There is a good spine of of French talent coming through, but um the current the current team are 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 just not um yeah they're 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 not performing for whatever reason and um in my eyes it's not the lack of talent or or the lack of um ability it's uh, it's probably just a little bit of a lack of direction and France haven't been consistent with coaches and things or game plans uh, we see that on the pitch.
0: Yeah, sure. What about this weekend in Cardiff? I'm sure you'd love to be in Millennium Stadium. It promises to be a, a cracking atmosphere and a cracking game.
3: Yeah, it should be a belter. Um, looking forward to it very much. I think it will be very, very difficult for Ireland. Um, as I was saying earlier, I just imagine if I was in a in a Welsh person's shoes. You know, if we were in Dublin, and we were playing for a Grand Slam, and Wales were coming to town with. Um, a chance to win but a very 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 slim chance you know Um so uh, you know you'd be licking your lips and you would your level of performance was sore your your confidence would go up the atmosphere in the crowd is going to go up and and you know it just make you feel that extra bit taller so if if that if I was in a If that was the situation and they were coming to Dublin, I'd be very confident that there was no chance they'd beat us, you know, even if we played bad. So um if I was a Welsh fan this weekend I'd be very uh, optimistic and and they probably rightly so. They've probably been the 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 most consistent side um during the Six Nations um without playing Unbelievably well. Yeah. So, um, there's something really, really big to play for this weekend and they're going to be tough to stop.
0: Yeah. What are your memories of Cardiff? I think you played five times there in an Irish jersey. You scored on your, on your first, first appearance there, I think back in 2013. So it's obviously a very special place to play.
3: Yeah, it is. It's, it's, uh, it's one of my favorite places to play actually. Um, and the atmosphere is always rocking. Um, there's a great buzz around the city, uh, before and after. Um, and yeah, you, 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 they generally tend to be uh, big battles when when we play there, and um, yeah, it's it's always a very exciting venue to play at. So um, it's the the added um, a little trophy for them is that they can do the Grand Slam this weekend. So the atmosphere will be extra special, no doubt. And um, yeah, it'll be very difficult for Ireland, but you know we could take confidence. We we've got picked up a few important wins over there in the past, so uh, no doubt that if we play our best, we could do it again.
0: What are your abiding memories of Cardiff? Obviously, the 2015 World Cup will, will stand out in mem- many people's memories, but for you, um, as I said, some tries there. I think you scored twice there, so some good memories as well.
3: Yeah, yeah, I definitely have some good memories there. Um, my first Six Nations game there was probably one that would stand out. It was uh, my first time playing in uh, the Millennium and um, got to score a try. We got to win the game. and. Um yeah, had a had a few nice moments. So that'll certainly be one I remember and um yeah, never know, I might might get to create some more memories there in the future
0: Fingers crossed and, and I suppose just on, finally on on Saturday where do you see the kind of the key areas Ty Byrne reportedly set to be included for Ireland so he obviously would be a, a turn, turnover threat he'll obviously have a, an insight into the Welsh as well where do you kind of see the key areas and if if Ireland can produce the same level of performance maybe as they did last week do you think they have a chance now on, on Saturday?
3: Um, yeah I definitely think they have a chance 100% Ireland have a chance against any team in the world that they play against home or away Um but I think the game it might come down to who commi- who 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 makes the least amount of errors you know or you know it 's going to hinge on a on a knife edge I think, and it could be the kicking game you know we saw besties try that kick that Jordan put in who finds who finds grass or who who 's the first team to to win a penalty and, and kick it into the five meter channel and get a all try you know it could be very something very small, and I think it 's going to be a 50-50 for, a, for a, lo, a long part of the game. So, um, yeah, I think the physicality will be right up there as well, um, bordering on violence. So it'll be, uh, it'll be uh, very good to watch.
0: Yeah, a score prediction.
3: Um, 50 in all. Nice, nice Sitting on the fence (laughs) Yeah, yeah yeah. I'm not going to say Any winner I I don't know I actually can't call it So I'd say 15-0 My heart says Ireland And my head says Wales will be very Very difficult to stop In the millennium With the Grand Slam On the line
0: Fair enough. Just finally, before I let you go, Simon, um, your own top fourteen is obviously back in action, and that Toulouse quarter final is is coming fast down the tracks for Racing. So, where are you at the moment? Are you kind of happy with your form and fitness, and and looking forward to the kind of the second half of the season?
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been a great start, and um, I've had a break over the past couple of weeks. Um, I haven't played too much rugby. I've had a couple of knocks. I had a little head knock, and I had uh, some back trouble uh, recently. So. I just gotta. I think I am not playing this weekend, so I I'll get a run out next weekend before the quarter final, and um, yeah, hopefully put my best foot forward and uh, continue my form into the second half of the season and continue to score some tries and and uh, create some um, some positive moments and. Um, yeah, just very much. A, uh, it's just a case of continuing what I've been doing, and and um, my form will continue to to thrive.
0: Yeah, a semi final against Leinster wouldn't be bad in Paris either if you can get past Toulouse.
3: Yes, that's the goal. That's the goal. Um, not looking past Toulouse at all because they've beaten us twice this year already, and it'll be very difficult for us. But um, there's a lot of players in the racing team who um, would love a chance to 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 get a. Uh, it shut off Leinster again, and uh, me no <laughs> more so than the smile says it all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would love that. I would love that if we got a chance to play them. So it's um it's a nice carrot for us to to try and go and chase after to to get Ra- uh, Leinster at home, Um and yeah, we'll we'll do everything in our power to to get there. So fingers crossed.
0: Simon Zebra, as always, thanks very much. Thank you.
3: Thank you. They don't understand him half the time because <laughs> <laughs> he would be like, well, bonjour skin, how's it going? <laughs> I know. Like, what did you say? That's what you get all the time. He's still adapting. He's a year into French classes, and he's still at a uh, uh, square one. But he's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is happy. Well, skin. It like
0: drop the top, drop it, let it bang. it's obviously a big weekend for in the senior six nations plenty of fascinating subplots across the final weekend but murray as we said at the top of the show, it's a huge weekend in columbay Bay for Noel McNamara's under-20s. They're going for a Grand Slam, just the second Ireland side um, to win a under-20s Grand Slam, if they can do it, following the 2017, which included the likes of Keane Healy, Darren Cave and Ian Keatley, So um, a huge achievement if they can do it. They've been absolutely superb throughout the whole tournament. They just one final box to tick. It should be a great encounter.
1: Yeah, it's already a a great achievement to win that championship, with a game to spare. They've been really impressive. So many good prospects in this team. And most importantly, a really uh, well gelled together unit, well coached, I think it looks like so. So credit to the coaching team there. Really good news that they're going to have their halfbacks fit. Craig Casey, who I think a lot of people are justifiably excited about. He looks like a superb prospect. Obviously, a, sh- a short scrum half, but he more than makes up for it in his fiery attitude, brilliant passing game, really clever around the fringes, um, and as we saw, well able to get stuck in that tackle on Jordan Joseph last week, uh, last Friday was superb and a real kind of game defining and momentum shifting moment. He was unlucky to go off injured, but but fortunately passes fit. Harry Byrne is back in after missing that game as well. Mm. Although Ben Healy did a superb yeah. job and, and Cormac Foley as well at scrum half. When he's been called on, he, he's done really as well, well as well. So there's actually a bit of depth in the squad, which is even more exciting for Irish rugby. I mean, you've been there watching nearly all the games. Yeah. What, what have you made of it? I it's think one
0: of the the, the big things hasn't it, been the success you see is just the consistency in selection. You mentioned there just one change this week. But even when the likes of Casey and Byrne have had to go off or had to pull out through injury, they've had someone to step up. I mean, the pack has remained unchanged for the five games, which is incredible yeah. when you think of... You know, they're not the biggest pack either. I mean, Th- Thomas Clarkson, um, I was talking to him during the week and he, he does not strike you as a prop. You know, He's quite small and he admitted himself. Um, but they've just, he's sound technique, they've won 24 out of 24 of their own scrums throughout the championship. Yeah. It's given the platform for the backs, as we said, the, the halfbacks to kind of pull the strings. And they've just, they've come together as a team really, really well. It's been fascinating to hear Noel McNamara and actually a couple of the players talk about it themselves, is that they had a, a pre championship training camp down in FOTA and it's obviously easy to say in hindsight because they've gone on and won the championship, they're now going for a Grand Slam but that was kind of the week that it all came together for them this team has been together since kind of under 18 so they've been say two years together added a few players here and there but they didn't feel like a team back then Thomas Clarkson again spoke about it during the week That that photo camp was the kind of the defining moment for them. They felt like a team going into that England game. And, you know, say the two home games against England and France, you know, you're looking at the opposition teams and they're obviously a lot bigger in size. They've got a lot more experience. You know, guys have played in the premiership, guys have played in top 14. um, And they've just embraced that whole challenge of playing down in Cork as well. Mm -hmm. It's it's been a brilliant addition to that. So, you know, Noel McNamara has done an unbelievable job. Yeah. And he's just so fascinating to listen to because he's he loves coaching. Um, I asked him the other day, actually, where would this rank in his coaching achievements? And, you know, his answer was was brilliant. He, you know, it wouldn't rank anywhere. He enjoys coaching the clongos under 13s as much as he does Leading the under twenties to a, a championship and a potentially a grand slam, which is a brilliant attitude, and he's mm. really handed over the kind of the leader, the initiative, and all the responsibility to the team, and they've they've embraced that as we said. So yeah, um, and they've got some superb talent, as you say, in that team. We've mentioned a couple, but the likes of you know Scott Penny, Josh Witcherly, you know, you look Jake Flannery, they're all super prospects, and there's no real stars that stand out. You know, they're just a, a collective bunch that yeah. perform and get on really well together.
1: And that's the thing, like they've had a, a really sensible game plan for each game, like taking Jordan Joseph yeah. in the game against England who also have, <laughs> like every under twenty team has incredibly talented uh, prospects. Mm-hmm. but often it's not gelled together into a yeah. sensible game plan for that specific opposition. And often it's not gelled into a, a really good culture, which as you know, <laughs> Noel puts a huge focus yeah. on. He, as you say, he's a student of coaching. And just his pathway is actually really interesting. I think... Um, I think it's really encouraging for a lot of coaches in the country to see a guy who wasn't a pro player, who didn't have a big reputation coming out of rugby that way uh, rising through the ranks. Now obviously there's still a number of steps for him to take, hopefully f- from his point of view, but he's gone through UL, he's gone through Glenstall, Clongo's, some great success in the Leinster School Cup, um, through to age-grade teams with Leinster in Ireland and, and the elite player development officer role as well with Leinster now and, and he's continuing to rise and Clearly his coaching intellect is very advanced. He's, as you say, he's um, a great student of it and he'll often quote John Wooden to, uh, yeah. or another coach, but always making sense. And it's just fascinating that you don't have to be a good player to be a good coach. I think that's always been um, something that I've believed um, and I think it's great for other people to see him excelling in it. So um, yeah, long may that continue and hopefully it is a bit of an inspiration to other people who don't have that maybe.
0: Yeah, it's just on McNamara it's fascinating to just listen to him, as you say. Like we spoke to him on, on Monday night, and I think it was eighteen minutes and it felt like two minutes. It was just a fascinating every answer was so well thought out and, and you know he's so articulate. But one of the things that kind of strikes you is just how much he learns every day. But just obviously he spent a bit of time in New Zealand last year. Um, even in his first six nations of the under twenties last year, and then the world world cup it, they didn't go particularly well for the team um but he said he took so many learnings out of that he learned from his own mistakes he learned from the team's mistakes and one of the big things he brought in this year was the leadership group and um you'll actually be able to read the piece on, on the 42 on friday morning but he, he talks about at that age there's too much emphasis on a captain and this whole thing about in ireland having you know the captain put on a pedestal and all that kind of stuff and that nearly weighed them down last year i think if you remember you know, there was nearly an injury curse for the captain. They lost, you know, a couple, every time yeah. someone was made captain, they they suffered an injury. Whereas this year, you know, obviously David Hawkshaw has been, was appointed captain. Um, but, you know, Charlie Ryan stepped up in his absence last week and it's kind of been a seamless transition as an overall leadership group and the players are taking responsibility. He joked that he tried to change something um, in week three and the players actually told them, "No, we don't want that changed." And that's, you know, that's obviously a very healthy environment that the players can um, can request that, and they're like, "No, this is the best th- thing for us." So, yeah, like absolutely fascinating. Just hope they can they can finish the job to mind. The under twenties have never actually won a Con which is mm. which is slightly like w- slightly worrying yeah. uh, in one sense. But you'd imagine that they've they've done everything right so far in this championship that yeah. they can just get over that one final hurdle. And as they said themselves, it's just one final one final task just do it one more time what they've been doing
1: they'll love that they'll love that challenge they're such a driven group it's kind of like uh I was over at the Scotland game Yeah, it was a decent performance but they're just so unhappy because they ain't got a bonus point so Great attitude to have. And yeah, as you say, there's another achievement they can pull off this weekend. Yeah,
0: absolutely. The women also uh, conclude their Six Nations campaign this weekend. They're in action at the Cardiff Arms Park, half one on Sunday. Hasn't been um, a great campaign for Adam Griggs side, Murray. Um, It's difficult because, you know, obviously they're... Redu- trying to operate on reduced contact time during the week. I think Lindsay Pete was speaking about it, and you know they have very one, one maybe two sessions before a test match, and then you're pitched straight back in against teams of the caliber of England and France, who are who are on a different level. We'll all admit at this stage, um, they're in desperate need of a win on Sunday, aren't they? Because if they don't, they will finish fifth to be the worst finish Six Nations finish in thirteen years. Um, so something needs to change there. It's, it's obviously. A, A conversation for another day because it's it's so complex. But just in the context of this season and this team, they're they're desperate for a win on Sunday.
1: Yeah, I mean, we kind of come back to the same debate with this. Um, Obviously, the Scotland performance—you thought, okay, this can be a little step forward. But again, going up against France, a a team who have advanced so quickly in the last couple of years, they're just again a marker of the major gap, Um, and also a marker of the the kind of mistakes that Ireland make. I don't know, loss of concentration, a miss tackle, a drop yeah. ball, uh, a willing an unwillingness probably to look for something beyond that one out carry because yeah. you're slightly panicked in that situation or you're fatigued in that situation and you and you can't make a good decision. Those kind of things are only going to be magnified even more if it goes on in this way. And your your article with Lindsay Pete was on the money. She said, you know, it has to change, really. That was her kind of message. Mm-hmm. We have to uh, do something to to keep in touch or, or rather close that gap. So That is the big challenge and yeah, it is a complex issue and there's loads of parts to it. There are a few who put out their women's plan, but um, it is kind of worrying that that is a long-term thing realistically um, because it would be horrible for Irish women's rugby to have a couple of years like this where the players themselves are saying that things need to change and people going to the games even with a record crowd, which is fantastic. Yeah, like there is positives in that sense. Yeah, there are young players coming through, but... It's just making sure that it's never acceptable for your squad to get you a championship just winning two games or, or mm. three games, essentially. That that should never be the mindset and, and hopefully we'll never get to that point. Um, the worrying thing, I guess, as well, there was the news um, from World Rugby that the World Rugby women's sevens circuit is going to expand to eight legs. Yeah. Um, now, that's obviously not worrying news for fans of sevens and, and the seven squad have done really well, the Irish women's seven squad. But to go from six to eight legs, there's a greater need for resource, obviously, and for players. Um, and if you're trying to balance a sevens and a fifteens program, the balance is even further in question there. And that's going to be a big issue continuing forward. Like, I don't know what your sense of it is, but sometimes you you wonder if they are, if you actually think, oh, sevens is actually the best route for rugby. Mm-hmm. it will be. It's, it's unclear. And and the, they say it's a balance. They say it's a one, one kind of whole program encompassing both codes, but it's clear that the balance um, is a little bit off. And. I, I would be, for 15s rugby, a little bit worried with that expansion of the series. Sure,
0: yeah. Like, as you say, a record crowd at Donnybrook last week for the French game. It was a great atmosphere, great occasion for women's rugby. And, and David Nusifor was actually sitting in the, in the row in front of the press box. And you're just wondering... As he's watching that, you know what what's going through his head in terms of the long term vision for the women's game. Because as we say, there is there's positive strands to it. You know, there is at this time there's there's huge interest, there's more interest than there ever was before. There's more media coverage of it. Ortiz obviously showing the game, so it's an interesting one. Obviously going forward, and, and something has to change. But hopefully they can they can get 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 it right on, on Sunday. Yeah,
1: it'd be great to just end on a positive note. There, there was also a World Rugby announcing that they're going to potentially have a women's nations championship going forward. Yeah. Is that Kind of bigger competition. That would be fantastic because then you get a bit more, even more media interest and probably a bit more commercial interest as well, so that you can put a bit more resource into the game because, yeah, things need to improve on that pipeline all the way up to
0: the yeah. national squad the problem really isn't it is that potential for maybe a, a summer game but the next women's game will not be until November Crazy, and it it's like, yeah. you know how can you go how can you be expected to go out and, and fix the mistakes that you're making at, at a high level when you just don't have that exposure mm. um, but hopefully Adam Griggs aside he's named his team two changes Lindsay, Pete and 17 year old Bevan Parsons come in from last week so hopefully they can get um, finish the championship on a high on Sunday Murray thanks a million for joining us as always. Thanks, Mel. Enjoy Cardiff for the weekend. Enjoy your trip. Thanks, Mel. And enjoy the rugby. See you next week.